Welcome to Room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Hello, everyone. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, Pastor Dave. How are you doing today? I am doing extremely well. Good, good. And you? Eh, I've had better days. Mm. Yeah, but I'm fine. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm here and I'm yes, praising the Lord for for many, many things. Well, I have uh, one reason, to pr- well, two reasons to praise God this time. Yeah. We have letters. Yay! From the inbox. The first letter is from Kara. Hi, Kara. Kara writes, Dear Pastor Dave and Cecilia, The program you did on the Great Commission was really interesting. I liked the prepare, plan, and pray ideas. But I think it should be pray, prepare, and plan. Mm. Shouldn't (laughs) prayer come before everything? Mm. She's got a point. As I was going about my life this past week, I wanted to do what you suggested, but I just didn't know how to get started. I can talk to people like paratransit drivers, cab drivers, or people helping me in the store, but how do I get the subject of God into the conversation without forcing it or making it awkward? I was praying, praying a lot, but I just didn't know what to do. I felt helpless, clumsy, and scared. It's easy to tell us to talk to people, but can you teach us with practical examples how to do it? Maybe you and Cecilia could do some role-playing or something. Thank you, Kara. Thank you for the letter. Um, I, I, I went, hmm, with the prepare, plan, and pray. Um, yes and no as far as uh, prayer first. Actually, what I goofed in saying, as I'm preparing, I am talking to the Lord. Lord, yeah. I'm going to be with um, this person, this person, and how can I speak to them, and what are their needs? Lord, what do you think? What what would be beneficial for them? Is there is there something there? Uh, help me, Lord, to see. Is there something in their life that, that might uh, be troublesome to them that might be that chance opportunity? So that's kind of the prepare. I'm talking with the Lord. So there's prayer there. So there's prayer almost before and after you. And during. And during. Mm. And so then the planning, and, and we'll, I think we will try some uh, role playing later on. Um, the planning is, um, uh, again, an earlier thing. Like today, it's very hot outside. My plan would be, okay, everyone's going to talk about the heat. So let's plan heat. What could I say? Okay, so it might be when I get on the paratransit, man, it's hot. Are you hot? Yeah, yeah. Makes me really glad I believe in not just hell, but heaven, because if hell is going to be hot, it's going to be hotter than this. Whew, I wouldn't want to be there all my life. Mm. You believe in heaven and hell? Yeah. Ooh. Interesting thought. So that, that's, that's the pr- planning. I, I'm actually thinking how I can take an, a thing of that week, of that day, and weave it into a conversation. The prayer part is, Lord, give me an opening, open a door, help me to see if a door is opening that I wasn't preparing or, or, or planning for, that I can see where I might be able to speak to them. Lord, open my heart. So that's the prayer as the, I'm chatting with the person. So that's really what I meant, Kara, and, and, and thank you for that. Um, we'll pick more up on that, okay? 
And as you mentioned, Cecilia, we have another from the inbox. This next letter is from Chris. And actually, it was a voice message left on my voice message, and I uh, uh, printed it out for you to read. Oh, we like voice messages. Yay! Yeah, very creative way to get the message to us. Hi, Chris. I have a couple of questions for you about Room 4216. I was wondering what the word commission means. Also, there are many different ways blind people leave the church. I remember one of the Jewish faiths do not believe in hell. You mentioned that on one of your podcasts. So the question is, if there is a heaven or a hell, just ask paratransit. Just joking. (laughs) (laughs) Chris has mentioned before, sometimes his rides are feeling like misery like Been there and done that one. There are other reasons people leave the church. They're hurt physically or mentally. They feel it is run by a dictator. Also, they feel, and I am guilty of this sometimes, they go to church and just don't get anything out of it. Sometimes I walk away from church feeling worse than when I came in. Some people are guilty of, what's in it for me? If I go to church, will I feel better? These are some questions that came to mind. Wow, Chris asked a lot of questions, and they're all good. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this segment, we're only going to take up one of those. What is the Great Commission? So what is a commission? Well, I looked in the dictionary. There's a couple different meanings, actually. One could be a certificate conferring military rank and the authority that goes with it. He received a lieutenant's commission in the army. Well, that's not the great commission Jesus gave us. Um, it could also be a fee paid to a, uh, an employee uh, for transacting a piece of business. He gets a commission for each car he sells. Now, another one is a, um, of a ship ready for active service. And, of course, I think of space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year, now he says uh, mission, but it could be commission to explore strange new worlds and to boldly go where no one has gone before. Well, that's not quite it either, because we're not a ship. How about this one? There's a couple others, but I think it's really this. An authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform prescribed acts. That's what Jesus gave us as the Great Commission. We perform in prescribed acts to go, to teach, to baptize, to make disciples, so that the world may know He is the Savior. In this segment, let's look at another one of Chris's questions, the reasons people leave church. I think it is interesting Chris Chris picked that up, that a lot of people aren't in church. That's one reason we witness to people. But it isn't just to bring them back to church. It is to bring them to Jesus. 
because it's not church. And I know Chris wasn't saying this, but it's a lot of times what people think, oh, I got to go to church. And I'm not saying Chris has thinking that, but when we witness to people, that might be what they are thinking. Mm -hmm. And we need to be careful that that's not really what we're trying to do. We're trying instead to help them know that there's a caring, loving God who wants to have a relationship with us, and he will tell us how. And here's and he brings up good points about why people have left the church. Now, the church is a good spot to go. It's the institution where um, uh, people are baptized and married and communion can be given and funerals are done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, however, and this is the problem, is it becomes an institution, just a place to go and do the outward external things. And it's when that takes place that usually you get the, why am I going here? Mm -hmm. Because there's no relationship, no connection. And I don't want to put too much in it. I, I don't get anything out of it. But there is some value to that comment, as well as I don't feel uplifted when I leave. Now, we don't live by our feelings, we live by faith, but our hearts should be getting blessings and help. If not, here I am, a pastor saying it, maybe we need to look for a different place. church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. That's cute, Cecilia. What is that? A song I learned long ago in Sunday school. I am the church. Oh, that's kind of neat. And and so true. I'm, I'm glad I overheard you say that. That is, though, a positive and a negative at the same time. It's it's a positive because churches, and we've seen uh, in the last two years, many churches come collapsing down because of hurricanes, because of storms, tornadoes, fires. But that's just the building. The people still gather around God's Word. It's sad, however, sometimes because even as Chris noted in, in his... Um, Letter, some people leave because they are hurt, both physically and emotionally. And that's what happens sometimes when you get a lot of people together. Also, I, he didn't say it, but I can think of um, um, one person who uh, is very angry at the church right now. And he says, it's just hypocrites, hypocrites. And I actually said, well, yeah, that's, that's where sinners go. Um, and, and are you sinless? Well, no. Oh, so you're a hypocrite too. Yeah. Well, then, you know. The church can be a place for hypocrites because that's who we all are. We're people, people who sometimes are really hurting. Let's read from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector 
by the name of Levi. Oh, Cecilia, i got to stop you right there. Okay. Tax collector. Tax collectors back then were hated. They were the people who worked for the Romans to get the money out of the people. So they were seen as traitors because they were working for the Romans. But then because they were hated by the people, they would take extra money and the Romans just would laugh and say, fine, take as much as you want. So they dug twice as deep into people. Mm. They were hated. And Levi, that's another name uh, uh, also called Matthew, uh, as in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on, please. Uh, he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Whoa. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Jesus, he, Jesus just called a crook to follow him. <laughs> yeah. That's how people would see it. Okay. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. No, they didn't have the courage to go straight to Jesus with this, by the way. They said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? That would be prostitutes primarily. Mm-hmm. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This really does hit home hard with the comment of hypocrites. We all are hypocrites. We all have Mm -hmm. sin. And Jesus is calling all of us to repentance. And Levi saw his sin and wanted to change. The Pharisees didn't see that they had sin, and therefore they didn't want to change. That sometimes is the difficulty in churches today, whether people see it or not. But certainly, that is the place we go to hear God's word, to find not only what we've done wrong, because we know that from our hearts, Mm -hmm. but how God can forgive us and does forgive us in Jesus, by what Jesus did on the cross. Pastor Dave, what were you laughing about? What are you laughing about? <laughs> well, it's a funny situation. I was reminded, and I just had to laugh and chuckle. As we were talking before we came on, how are we going to enter this next segment and, and deal with uh, that? Well, what if I don't feel like I get anything out of church? And, mm-hmm. and I was sitting back and thinking about getting things out of, and it reminded me, because somebody brought it up uh, just uh, the other day, uh, of um, when... <laughs> Um, I off, I, I, I'll come at it this way. I sometimes like to ask married couples when they come to me, so marriage, what is it, a 50-50, 60-40, 70-30? 50, and they usually say, well, 50-50. Of course. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, and I, but I remember one time when I cut my thumb really bad. I actually <laughs> cut three-quarter inch yes. off of my thumb and it had to be uh, uh, stitched back on. Sorry to gross you people out. And then my the bandage went all the way up my wrist. So, and this is my left thumb. So I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't hardly eat. I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so my wife had to do a lot for me. And then uh, one week later, the doctor determined it ain't healing. And so I had to go into surgery to 
actually have it removed and reconfigured. Uh, uh, and again, the bandage all the way up to my elbow, this time for a whole month. Oh, beautiful. And so another whole month of Deb having to help me get dressed and do almost everything. And then uh, uh, it wasn't healing. This one patch on the side of my thumb just wasn't healing. So I had to go in for another surgery. And they took some skin off my wrist. Oh, you talk about pain. That had to hurt. Oh, a skin graft from your wrist. And uh, finally healed. But that, my again, I was bandaged up for another month. All that time. Okay, week we're talking about 10 week. weeks here, right? Yeah. And, and, and so I stop and think, <laughs> marriage, 50-50? Well, my dad weren't getting her 50 that week. No. 70-30? She wasn't even getting five out of me, really. Mm-hmm. And it helped me really realize marriage isn't what you get out of it, but it's what you give in it. It's a service. And I think really when it comes down to churches and services, it's the same thing. If I go in with that attitude, I want to get something out of it, I'm going to be disappointed. Because if my wife were thinking, hey, where's my 50% coming back for marriage in these 10 weeks? I ain't getting it. She would have been disappointed. But because she always saw marriage as an act of service, 100% giving, uh, she wasn't disappointed. And so when we go into church, instead of looking, what am I going to get out of it? looking at it in a different way, then it can come on to be something different. What is God giving me here? Instead of what am I getting? What is God saying? Where is he speaking to me? How is this going to bless me this week? Because God is doing something here for me. So it's you're saying it's not what I'm going to get out of it, and yet you're still saying, what is God going to give me out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh it's close to the same, but it's totally different because it gives you a whole different perspective of what's going on. Mm, this is taking some mulling over. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I sort of get it. But then I better get it, or my uh, well, you've been around church a college lot. College so theology you get teachers it. would hit yeah. me over the head if I didn't. Yeah. But uh, what about those who are new to church? I mean, how do we put this on a? Or what about a bunch of teens? What? How do we put this on a seventh or eighth grade level? How does a seventh or an eighth grade person get it? Hmm. Um. Good question. Now it's. Time for me to mull on it, and we'll come back to that later. Well, I want to come back to one other thing Chris mentioned, maybe two in his letter before we lose the letter completely. Um, You were surprised off air, and you said, we talked about Jewish people not believing in hell. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, well, we did as far as modern Jewish people. There's three parts to the Jewish faith in modern day times. There's the Orthodox. They're really looking for the Messiah to come back. They really, really are. Mm-hmm. Then there's the conservative. They're the ones who believe, be good and, and follow the, the Ten Commandments and the laws, and, and you'll probably get to heaven. I'm generalizing. Mm-hmm. And then there is what's called the reform. The Reformed Jews believe that heaven is right here on earth, and so make the best of it. They're the ones who really don't believe in hell. Um, and they're very, what you'd say, liberal, 
uh, even by their own definition. Mm-hmm. And and so they're all about humanity in the here and now. And so they don't believe in hell. And they believe, well, earth is heaven or hell. Which brings me to another point that Chris made about heaven and hell. You mean about Coloride and uh, Fair Transit? Well, <laughs> not that, but something else. Hang on. The letters we've had brought up so many topics and discussions, and the one in there was heaven and hell. Is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Well, I asked that same question last week. Did I not? Is there really a hell? And for myself, I believe that there is both heaven and hell. Otherwise, why would I be wasting all this time talking to you people, telling you about Christ, saying you're not alone? What would life all be about if there weren't a heaven and a hell? Hmm. I come at it from a completely different angle. It's only happened to me a couple times, and and, and I'm basing this on experience, but... It is my experience, I guess. Um, First, have you ever been in a bathtub where the water uh, is held in the bathtub with that plug that you stick in? It's usually an old-time-fashioned plug squeezed down (laughs) with a a chain. You pull it up, and it all goes down. Yeah. Well, this has happened to me a couple times, that it's like at the bottom of my supposed soul, there's this plug. And I remember one time vividly, just a couple years ago, it happened on a Sunday morning. I was at somebody's house, and I was the guest preacher. I woke up, and my plug at the bottom of my soul was out. But instead of things going down, things were oozing up. Now, wait, wait, wait. And actually, instead of oozing, it was the ugliness, the blackness, the yickiness, the hatred, the vile, everything that was deep within my heart. And it's like... This is from me? And I realized at that moment, I was seeing into the total depths of my soul. That what I think on the top is, oh, that person just rubs me wrong. Well, deep down, actually it is, I hate that person. I want to wring that person's neck. I want to kill them. And this is all, what you'd think of an evil demon was all in me. Mm. And I had to stomp and, and try to, and I couldn't get that plug back in. And so finally, I, in desperation, I said, Jesus, please put the plug in, please put the plug in, please put the plug in. And after time it happened, it got back in. But I never forgot that moment. And every once in a while, I will have it where the plug isn't completely out. There's only been a couple times that's been. But it, it's loose, and I can feel and experience and see the ugly bile and black The full ooze. scope of your own sin. Yeah. And when I see that and experience that, I know there is a hell because that's what I deserve. Mm. That is far opposite of goodness as you can get. And it's in me. And for me, because I know that, and then I hear grace... God's love at Christ's expense, it really brings in a whole new picture of how he really did do all that. And without it, I'd be lost. And when I saw that deep depth of my 
ugliness in my soul, I knew, I knew, I deserved to be lost because I was that bad. can so identify with how you feel. Um, I often feel like people see nothing but the good that is Cecilia. They don't see the times when I'm so furious Mm -hmm. with my housemate or so angry with, oh, well, with even you about something. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like a fraud. There is that dichotomy, outside, inside. Let me add just a speck more with that, too. Um, I, I really think God has uh, raised the level of the bathtub uh, and put the plug in there. Otherwise, if we didn't have that plug, if it would be free-flowing, we would see ourselves like that all the time, and we would literally want to die and want to kill ourselves out of despair. That's correct. And that's what the enemy wants. The enemy he wants us to mm-hmm. see ourselves as no good, disgusting Horrible, unsavable people. That's one aspect. Or he wants us to even go higher and, and, and conclude there's nothing below, and so you're all good, and so you don't need saving because you are such a good person. Mm. Um, I also believe that those with mental disability, uh, as I have worked with many... You mean like depression or anxiety or... Bipolar or a bunch of these things. Yes, mm-hmm. that's correct. Um, the level of the bathtub is lower and the the plug that fits that hole is a lot looser. So that slime and stuff comes up all that much faster. Yes, they're more aware of the depth of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In these situations, there is comfort. There is hope. There. That's why we always are speaking about God so loved the world. As bad as it is that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him mm-hmm. shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's why we speak about how Jesus took our sin. He took all the punishment. He took all the grind, the sludge, the yuck. By the way, that is not symbolic. When mm-hmm. we say Jesus took all that sin on the cross, mm-hmm. we're not saying, oh, he pretended to take it. No, he took it. He that's did That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because ultimately, sin is what separates us from God. And in one of the aspects, and we'll get to this in the next segment, one of the aspects of hell is being separated from God and knowing it. But that's also the comfort of the gospel, that we are, are with God. Separated. We are not alone. And we know it. Well, I hate to say it, Cecilia, but I think we're going to have to stop here for today. Pastor Dave, I hate it when you say we have to stop here. There's always so much more to talk about. (laughs) There is, there is. Uh, Well, what about poor Cara and her question? Oh, about how to witness and the practicing thereof. We shall pick that up again. Uh, We will not let that go. And there's, I'm sure, other questions that have been raised by you, the listener, and we don't want to let them go. We love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And you can do so by writing us by either responding to the email that goes out or write us at... Info, I-N-F-O, at... Not-Alone, N-O-T-A-L-O-N-E, dot... Net, N-E-T. And always remember... 
We are not alone. I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Do come back again to room 4216. Credits. Our sincere thanks go to Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn for their interlude music.